What happens to you if you have missed chances and opportunities? What happens if you never took the chance to reach out and connect to another person? Will you bemoan your lack of decisiveness? Or will that serve as a warning to not keep yourself from making meaningful human connections? Hi, my name is John Glenn and welcome to the podcast of poems. This episode's poem will be just about the longest one I have ever read. This is even longer than our episode on Tennyson's Ulysses, so I will get to it right away. This is The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky like a patient etherized upon a table. Let us go through certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights in one-night cheap hotels and sawdust restaurants with oyster shells. Streets that follow like a tedious argument of insidious intent to lead you to an overwhelming question. Oh, do not ask. What is it? Let us go and make our visit. In the room, the women come and go, talking of Michelangelo. The yellow fog that rubs its back upon the window panes, the yellow smoke that rubs its muzzle on the window panes, licked its tongue into the corners of the evening, lingered upon the pools that stand in drains. Let fall upon its back the suit that falls from chimneys, slipped by the terrace, made a sudden leap, And seeing that it was a soft October night, curled once about the house and fell asleep. And indeed there will be time for the yellow smoke that slides along the street, rubbing its back upon the window panes. There will be time. There will be time to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. There will be time to murder and create. And time for all the works and days of hands that lift and drop a question on your plate. Time for you, and time for me, and time yet for a hundred indecisions, and for a hundred visions and revisions, before the taking of a toast and tea. In the room the women come and go, talking of Michelangelo. And indeed there will be time to wander. Do I dare? And do I dare? Time to turn back and descend the stair with a bald spot in the middle of my hair. They will say, How his hair is growing thin. My morning coat, my collar mounting firmly to the chin, my necktie rich and modest but asserted by a simple pin. They will say, But how his arms and legs are thin. Do I dare disturb the universe? In a minute, there is time for decisions and revisions which a minute will reverse. For I have known them all already, known them all. Have known the evenings, mornings, afternoons. I have measured out my life with coffee spoons. I know the voices dying with a dying fall beneath the music from a farther room. So how should I presume? And I have known the eyes already, known them all. The eyes that fix you in a formulated phrase, and when I am formulated, sprawling on a pen, when I am pinned and wriggling on the wall, then how should I begin to spit out all the butt ends of my days and ways?
and how should I presume? And I have known the arms already, known them all. Arms that are braceleted and white and bare, but in the lamplight, downed with light brown hair. Is it perfume from a dress that makes me so digress? Arms that lie along a table or wrap about a shawl, and should I then presume, and how should I begin? Shall I say, I have gone at dusk through narrow streets and watched the smoke that rises from the pipes of lonely men in shirt sleeves leaning out of windows. I should have been a pair of ragged claws scuttling across the floors of silent seas. And the afternoon, the evening sleeps so peacefully, smoothed by long fingers, asleep, tired, or it malingers, stretched on the floor, here beside you and me. Should I, after tea and cakes and ices, have the strength to force the moment to its crisis? But though I have wept and fasted, wept and prayed, though I have seen my head, grown slightly bald, brought in upon a platter, I am no prophet, and here is no great matter. I have seen the moment of my greatness flicker, and I have seen the eternal footman hold my coat and snicker, and in short, I was afraid. And would it have been worth it after all? After the cups, the marmalade, the tea, among the porcelain, among some talk of you and me, would it have been worthwhile to have bitten off the matter with a smile, to have squeezed the universe into a ball, to roll it towards some overwhelming question to say, I am Lazarus. Come from the dead, come back to tell you all, I shall tell you all. If one settling a pillow by her head should say, that is not what I meant at all. That is not it, at all. And would it have been worth it? After all, would it have been worthwhile after the sunsets and the dooryards and the sprinkled streets, after the novels, after the teacups, after the skirts that trail along the floor and this and so much more? It is impossible to say just what I mean. But as if a, la a magic lantern threw the nerves in patterns on a screen, would it have been worthwhile if one, settling a pillow or throwing off a shawl, and turning toward the window should say, That is not it at all. That is not what I meant. At all. No. I am not Prince Hamlet, nor was meant to be. I am an attendant lord. One that will do the swell of progress, start a scene or two, advise the prince, no doubt an easy tool, deferential, glad to be of use, politic, cautious, and meticulous, full of high sentence but a bit of truth. At times, indeed, almost ridiculous. Almost, at times, the fool. I grow old. I grow old. I shall wear the bottoms of my trousers rolled. Shall I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? I shall wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach. I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think that they will sing to me. I have seen them riding seaward on the waves, combing the white hair of the waves blown back when the wind blows the water white and black. We have lingered in the chambers of the sea by sea girls wreathed with seaweed red and brown till human voices wake us and we drown.
So T.S. Eliot was born in Missouri in the USA and then he moved to New England when he was at the age of 25. Just like his many works which contain various philosophical and historical references, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock is one of the foremost examples of modernist poetry written in 1910 and then it was published in 1915. By then, two world wars have had a big effect to most of the writers during that century, so it triggered the modern literary movement. Modernist literature gives attention to individualism where the individual is more interesting than the society he lives in. Writers also broke free from the traditional forms and techniques in writing and did experimentations with their writing style which we will see reflected in this poem by Eliot, of course. The poem starts with an epigraph from Dante Alighieri's Inferno, uh, specifically in Canto 27, and then the original text was written in Italian, and it translates to the following. If I thought that my reply were given to anyone who might return to the world, this flame would stand forever still. But since never from this deep place has anyone returned alive, if what I hear is true, I answer you without fear of infamy. This suggests that the poem in sequence will constitute a dark and a hellish experience where almost nobody has ever returned alive before. The rest of the poem is a dramatic monologue then of a person who gives a narration on the anxieties and preoccupations he has while contemplating whether the lack of adequacies he has and the knowledge he has about life makes it worthy to even dare an approach to a woman or whom the speaker addresses as his potential lover in this poem. There is an irregular rhyme scheme and the poem resembles the structure of a free verse but how Eliot constructed and just opposed his words in the lines to show fragmentation or bits and pieces of other poetic forms like how the ending of a sonnet would be like if you take a look at the conclusion of his poem. And so this does not make the poem a free verse in its entirety, which all the more makes it a perfect or a very quintessential example of a modernist literary work. And no doubt this has placed Eliot on a pedestal when it comes to this literary movement. This is a very long poem and what makes this even more interesting is how discontinuous the thoughts of our speaker are. Here we have Prufrock somehow crippled by too much thoughts and indecision that leads him to an epiphany and then he is frustrated and it shows because his thoughts are constantly trailing off from action to inaction, something boring versus something that feels threatening. Basically, the poem suggests through a vast, a very vast imagery of the hypothetical and physical that too much preoccupation on what to do, be it the right thing to do or not, expressing yourself to others or making yourself available to others is ultimately unrewarding. The speaker's procrastination and, and also overthinking, which is rooted in his social anxiety, uh, the fear of doing something wrong, and even not being able to follow through a plan or course of action is what leads him to further idleness and disillusionment and further overthinking with how much he is getting things undone. 
So what Elliot tries to tell us then about our tendency or this tendency to overthink is that waffling about every decision, every action we make will likely lead us to further agony about our own choices and potential choices until we have no time left to actually do the actions that we intend to do. It's a, it's a warning about the human psyche because we all have a disposition similar to J. Alfred Prufrock within us and so we have to be careful not to let it stop us from living a full life, from going out and venturing into the world of deep connections and relationships, be it with ourselves or with other people. Elliot presents to us his philosophy on reality with the thoughts of J. Alfred Prufrock serving as our guide through the world's physicality and also the non-material. He tells us of the fragile philosophical and psychological state of human beings and it especially transcended time even after the passing of two world wars. A lot of time has passed since then but still its relevance sticks because it is in human nature to feel alienated and digressed by his own thoughts. Part of our psyche is disillusionment and overthinking so we have to watch out for the actions and the and the thoughts that prevent us from establishing a life that isn't overcome by our own perplexity. This has been John Glenn for the Podcast of Poems. Thank you so much for listening.